What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. Baby, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Football's back. Preseason games this week. You excited? I am excited. Um, you know, I thought that for some reason we were going to be a little bit busier, but I re- didn't realize it was only one game during the Hall of Fame <laughs> week, so I got overly excited for no reason. Yeah, it felt like it should have been like some games coming on Sunday and you thought that it was back, but nah. The Hall of Fame game is usually like a tease. <laughs> I watched yeah, just enough to wet the whistle. Yeah, that shit was terrible. I mean it was it was excruciating. Yeah, I think I made it through um I, I got there in the second quarter and then I, I made it to halftime, but that I wasn't paying much attention. It, it was not good football. Preseason never is though. It's better than that, though. I watched the whole first half, but somewhere between the middle of the first quarter and the middle of the second, I couldn't tell you what the fuck. Yeah. So we got Hard Knocks kicking off tonight with the Raiders, and then Ooh. we've got Thursday night football coming up, uh, and we should be rocking and rolling from here on out. So um, we're going to do some previews for you guys leading up to week one of the season. Um you know, we're we're in full swing. The the slow time is finally over. Yeah, we're finally into some shit that Marcus actually cares about. Thank God. Is this is is, is August like the first or the last two weeks of July? Is that officially the slowest point of the year for sports? I mean, literally nothing's going on besides, you know, of course, baseball that no one cares about. The big three basketball is taking over July. So for me, no, it's not the slowest point. For you, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I just Joe refused. Johnson with I, the step I back four pointer to win the game. <laughs> now that was cold blooded Arkansas legend Joe Johnson, but uh, yeah, I have not watched one single second other than the highlights uh, on some form of social media. But I refuse. I refuse to fix my eyes on that. You're missing that foolishness. out. You're gonna have to watch my, eventually. When they cut my boy Lamar Odom, I was done. I was like, whoa. Not Lamar. I'm I'm out. He loves the cocaine candy more than basketball. You can't blame him. (laughs) (laughs) Some Um, things are just more important in life. You know what I mean? I mean that's fair. You know you gotta (laughs) do what you gotta do. You gotta you gotta you gotta get that booger sugar somehow. So I knew that dude was some sort of fiend when they had him on. um, I think it was like inside the NBA, and this dude had a cousin that his only job was to fill his back seat with candy when he got out of practice. And this dude would literally get out of practice and just sit in the back seat and just eat a bunch of fucking candy. And I'm not making it up. I got a smile where it said, but yeah, his his homeboy, all he did was fill the back seat up with candy. So when Lamar came out of Lakers practice, the whole back seat of his SUV was filled with candy. Dude was like 32. <laughs> and you wonder wonder why his career flamed out so fast. Um. All right, man. Let's talk. Let's talk some football. So uh, we've got some some holdouts going on. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, to name a couple, um, and then uh, homeboy from the Washington Redskins, Trent Taylor. Trent Williams. Oh, you don't Trent disrespect Williams. the guy. My bad, because he's a stud, legit. Um, 
Trent Williams. So we got some major holdouts, and of course, you know, uh, the beat writers and, and everybody is saying that all three of these dudes are going to end up getting traded some some way somehow. So uh, what do you think? Who who do you think is has the biggest chance to get traded or to land a new contract? Nobody's getting traded. Everybody's landing a new contract at some point. Uh, the running back thing is the most interesting. I think there's four people out. There was five, but the Jaguars defensive end came back. I didn't know that dude was cold. He's he's supposed to be demanding up to twenty two million dollars a year. You see that? Yeah, yeah. Quietly, yeah. I, it's a name you don't even hear very often. And I can't even pronounce. I'm not going to even try. It. But the dude, they offered him. They they're saying that they offered him nineteen million dollars per year, forty million guaranteed extension, and he turned it down. But everyone's saying he's going to get at least 21 or 22. So, But that's neither here nor there. I don't think any of these running backs get traded. It's more it's more about the upgrades they made to that uh, CBA where you don't get paid up front anymore. And for that, it really sucks as a running back. Not only as a running back, as a first-round running back. And these days, it's probably better not to get drafted in the first round as a running back because they get four years on you and an option year for the fifth in which – you probably will produce because for running backs, that's kind of your prime, but you'll never get paid what the market deserves. And then when you're finally up for five, finally up for contract four or five years later, now if you had any kind of injuries or any kind of problems off the field, that comes into play and it just brings your salary down for that position. So it kind of sucks for them. I, I didn't really love, you know, Trent Richardson getting you know, $60 million out of college and not producing. But I also don't love Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon making like $3 million a year. You know what I mean? So yeah, they got to find some it, type of balance. highway robbery. It, it, it really is. I mean, I, I won't go and say it's almost free labor, but for running backs, you know, any other position, you know, most of those guys see second contracts, and it's so rare for running backs to, to get a second contract. Or not, I, I shouldn't say rare, but – you, they're they're usually not effective during that second contract because they're at the tail end of their prime or, or they're you know just out of their prime and and it's unfortunate man and it, they do need to figure out something that is tailored to running backs if if you're a running back you got to get paid up front that's just that's the way it should be but or the contract it, just needs tough. to be shorter I mean having four years with a fifth year option that's too much team control with them also being able to franchise tag them for three years and with the running back right. market a franchise tag isn't crazy you can literally control a running back and keep it reasonable for seven years because the the uh, running back market right now. I think it's 16 million, 13 million, and then like 10, 10, and 10. So you're looking at what, 12 to 13 million if you franchise tag a, a running back? If you got somebody mm-hmm. like Ezekiel Elliott, that's nothing. <laughs> that's backup right. quarterback money. Because he literally, they, they, they do not win when he's not on the field. Yeah, they could franchise and, tag him for three years and it'll go something like 12, 15, and then the last one would be like 20. But you got him for seven years. <laughs> Eight, you actually. Know, and it, it, if if you're Ezekiel Elliott, you have Bart, you have leverage. If you're Melvin Gordon, you kind of don't because Melvin Gordon's never played a full season. They can they've they've shown that they can win without him. Um, it's a complete opposite from from Zeke, and and that's not to say Melvin Gordon's not a great back because he is, but he knows Ezekiel Elliott. But then again, Melvin Gordon does have the injury, but Zeke has the off the field stuff. At any point in time, that dude could be suspended. He was suspended what not last season, but the season before last for four games. He had an incident this off season. So you have that same type of thing. It may not be injury, but any point in time he could fuck up. 
Yeah, because he's he's a little bit of a wild card. I'll give you that, but but I, he's he's as durable as they come in. Um, I you know that the cat. I think the Cowboys. I we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. Um, the Cowboys are in a real tough spot because they've got to pay Amari Cooper. They got to pay, pay Dak Prescott. They just pay, paid Demarcus Lawrence. Um, they've got a linebacker in core that they're going to have to pay at some point. I mean, we kind of talked about it. People don't have you know made fun of the Cowboys, but quietly. They have drafted very, 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 very well in the last few years, and ever since Stephen Jones kind of became the the GM there, and um, they just got a lot of people to pay, man. I, I don't know what what to do, or, or but it seems like Ezekiel Elliott has to be the guy they pay. Yeah, and they got a lineman. They also got Jalen Smith. They got Byron, uh, the cornerback. So they have drafted well. The problem with drafting well is you got to pay them or let them go. And that's the thing that a lot of teams come and encounter. Like the Seahawks drafted incredibly well, building the Legion of Boom and those offensive players. But at some point in time, you got to pay them. And the bad part is it usually all starts with the quarterback. And Dak is in his uh, – in his final year of his contract. So no matter what, they're going to have to pay Dak. The longer they wait, the longer they wait, the more they're going to have to pay him. Um, they lucked up that um, Carson signed an extension where his extension added into his two years made him at the 27 year mark. So Carson doesn't start his big contract till I, I don't think like a year or two. So the, the top three right now is like 36 per year, 33, 33. So they're already in line for a franchise tag to pay um, Dak like 32. So I don't I don't see him negotiate a contract below 32. He's definitely not gonna negotiate a contract below the 107 million dollars guaranteed that Carson Wentz got because he's been more durable. He's went to the playoffs twice, um, so he has a better resume. No matter how you feel about them on the field, Dak has a better resume than Carson Wentz, so he should at least be getting 107 million guaranteed. Carson got 128 as the max. Well, no, he got 128, but it could be up to 154 million. So it'll be interesting how they work out Dak, but Dak definitely has to be the priority right now. And everyone knows once you pay the quarterback, then that kind of fucks your salary cap for everybody else. They're gonna have they got some decisions to make. They pay Lawrence. They're probably gonna pay Dak. I don't see how they don't pay Dak. They're gonna pay Zeke. They're they're probably gonna pay Byron the cornerback. I mean, you have to have cornerbacks. So does Amari get a contract? Yeah, I, I mean, he should. The he turned them from a, a a what looked like a four to six win team to a ten or eleven team, whatever they won last year. I mean, he instantly came in and transformed that offense. So um, at the end of the day, for me, Dak is kind of the the weak link. But as you said, as the quarterback, I mean, you just have to pay him because what are you going to do? You know, it's a crapshoot with any rookie quarterback that you bring in. It's, there's not exactly a trade market for QBs out there. Um, it, but I, personally, I don't think he's good enough to get franchise quarterback mon- money to, but you kind of have to. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to pay Amari. You have to pay Zeke. But to the difference between, you know, the, the, the um, Cowboys and the Seahawks and the Broncos is – while the Broncos and the Seahawks were able to win off cheap quarterbacks and rookie quarterback deals, uh, they won Super Bowls, and Dallas is barely making the playoffs. So while they have drafted well and they have all these great players, 
the results at the end of the day have not been there. So, well, I would you know, say quarterback again. contracts have never been based off of results. It's always been based off of stats. Derek Carr didn't get his for his resume of taking them to the playoffs or winning Super Bowls. Neither has Matt Stafford, and Matt Stafford has consistently gotten big contracts. Um, yeah, Matt Ryan sent took him to the Super Bowl, but he got his contract before then. You know what I mean? So it's never really based off of going to the Super Bowl. Some people would argue it should be, maybe. But that's not what they base contracts off of. Everything that you see from Dak says that he is an elite level quarterback and he deserves it. Like I said, his resume right now looks better than Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. And I'm pretty sure, well, Carson already got paid. I don't know what they're going to do with Jared Goff. I still feel like bringing in Blake Bortles could threaten Jared Goff getting a big contract. They could just let that dude walk, which I highly recommend. But, I mean, it's just, it's just very interesting. Zeke. I don't see how you don't pay Zeke, but I understand the negotiation tactics. Zeke is only making three million dollars this year. Next year he could. He, next year he's in line to make nine million dollars. Problem is he has two years on his contract and no fucking leverage. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the only thing he can do is sit out the season, hope that Dallas starts losing, and then come back by week ten because he can't afford to not accrue a year. He needs to accrue a year because if he doesn't play at all. That $3 million salary is just going to be pushed to next year, and they had, they couldn't control him. So he has no leverage. This isn't a Le'Veon Bell situation. He didn't play. Le'Veon played under that small salary. He got franchise tag twice, and then that's why he could miss the whole year and still be able to um, be a free agent. Zeke doesn't have any leverage. Only leverage he has is sitting out all the way to Week 10, then coming back and paying, playing for the prorated amount of that $3 million, which would be less than a million, I believe. And then coming back the following year playing his last last year at the nine million dollar contract he doesn't have any leverage at all yeah so he's got to hope for an emmett smith situation yeah yeah definitely <laughs> you know i mean and it, it's uh, possible because they struggle like they struggle bad without zeke you know what i mean even when the four games that he was suspended they struggled yeah um so i'm curious to see what they do the cowboys as we talked about they have a ton of talent and and they got to pay a lot of people and and i guess what you say about dak is true i mean the one thing i will say about dak is while i don't like him as a franchise quarterback the dude is a winner um you know given that he has weapons around him i I still think zeke is the obviously the focal point of that offense but i mean Dak does win games um he doesn't do it in a pretty fashion but the results are the results so um i'll give you that um, I just don't like as, his weapons that they've ever put around him. I don't believe that they've ever really put legit weapons. You gave him one weapon last year, one weapon in Amari Cooper. I'm not counting Zeke. Of course, Zeke is a bell, bell cow running back, so that does help. But shit, when when you stack the box against Zeke, they really didn't have nobody to catch the ball besides for, um, Jason Witten and Cole Beasley. So he gets nabbed as a dink and dunk quarterback. I want you to look at the the last two rosters before Amari Cooper and tell me who he's stretching the field to. Tavon Austin? Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I agree. When Amari came, he looked like he was trying to push the ball down the field. They had some big plays. That offense looked a lot more exciting with one weapon. So it's not just Well, and it all completely of, opened up the offense for Michael Gallup as well So because we, we quickly figured out he's not a number one, nah, or at least not yet. I knew that shit so, in preseason. He he played against, like, the Broncos, and the, the running back fell down, and he scored a touchdown. They replayed that highlight 20 times, and I'm like, ain't like he did a move. <laughs> the running back right. literally just fell down. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you know, I don't think he came on strong. 
What's that? I don't think Gallup's good. I mean, I think he he'll be a fine number two. I I have my doubts that Amari Cooper is a true number one, but he he came in and he wasn't that offense last year. But you know, he shows flashes at times. The, the problem with Amari Cooper is the dude can put up two hundred yards randomly, one hundred fifty yards, ten catches in the very next game. He gets shut the fuck down. Like against really good corners, he's a really I mean because he's a he's a precise route runner. Um, hands are questionable, but he's he's always open unless he's playing an upper echelon physical cornerback like he's always struggled with the Denver Broncos when they had a keep to leave and Chris Harris Jr. He's that's he's not struggled. really fair. A lot of people struggle I mean, with those dudes. But but my point is with the elite quarterback or cornerbacks, he struggles. Um he struggled with Jalen Ramsey. He's he struggles with uh what's that cat's name in Baltimore? Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Um you know but at the same time he he was he thrived when they had uh, Michael Crabtree on the other end of him. So if 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 Amari Cooper's your only threat, he's he's easy to take out of the game. And it tends to be when when he does get taken out of the game, he gets frustrated and he pouts and he you know he becomes a non-factor. But if there's someone who is competent on the other side of him, you saw him. I mean, when when he had Michael Crabtree and they were both booming and going in, in 2016 with Derek Carr. I mean, they were both thousand yard receivers. So I'm cu- I think if Michael Gallup can at least be that, be a threat, I think it'll open up the field for Amari Cooper a lot. I would probably sign Dak, and then sign get Zeke taken care of, and let Amari play out his contract. It's dangerous. You may have to franchise tag him, but the way the market's going, man. It might just price you out of Amari's contract. Like the only way to get Amari right now at a reasonable price, contract. And now Michael Thomas is going to sign his contract. Julio's going to sign his contract before week one. Julio's going to make more than Michael Thomas. There's no way Julio doesn't make more than Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is bringing in $20 million a year. Something stupid for a wide receiver. Julio's probably going to bring in $22 million a year. So even if you're looking at Amari Cooper and be like, he's not Michael Cooper. He's not Julio. You're right. But that means a discounted rate for Amari Cooper. He's going to be asking for 16 to $18 million a year. There's no way in hell I'm playing, paying him 16 to $18 million a year. Then when you go up to the franchise tag, it's going to be like 22, 20, 17, 18. You're still paying him 16 to $18 million a year to franchise him once. Amari Cooper, what he feels like he's worth and what he's actually worth, that's a big gap. And there's no way I'm paying for Amari Cooper on a half a year of production where nobody really even game plan for him. Like, that's the time of year where you're not even having real practices. So when you're game planning for the Dallas Cowboys and you're trying to see their offense, that's what they talk about with rookie quarterbacks that come make a big hit and then they have that sophomore slump because you actually have taped the game plan of what the things they're trying to do. Like, I need to see Amari for a full year. I can't give Amari Cooper $18 million a year for a half a year of production. I just take my luck in free agency. If somebody wants to get that dude $20, $21 million, fuck it. <laughs> he got to go. I would I would like to point out that Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack share the same agent. So if that tells you how uh, a holdout could go, um, that just kind of goes to show you. But also – there typically aren't major trades for wide receivers. I mean, I know Odell Beckham was just traded, but um, typically you don't see big-time wide receivers 
traded you know multiple times in their career like that. I mean, it was shocking that they gave up a first round pick for I'm him. I'm not ready to call Odell Beckham. I'm not ready to call Omari Cooper a big time receiver. Hell, even Michael Crabtree had a really great season with the Raiders. I'm just man, you need more than five or six games coming into a conference that nobody has no clue about you with banged up cornerbacks. I mean, when he came, the Eagles cornerbacks were beat up. We were Eagles were literally using dudes off the street, and I'm not even like making that up. The dude that he burnt in the second game, I think his name was like LeBlanc or something. They picked that dude up on Wednesday <laughs> before the game. So I just can't pay that dude that much money. They traded him because the Raiders did not think he was worth that amount of money. Now he did go to Dallas. He did make an impact in Dallas, but still, it's not enough production. I'm willing to let him play out his contract this year and take my chance in the offseason. If you lose, that's what smart organizations do, man. Or trade them. Trade them now. You, you, okay. You, you gave up a first round pick for him. He came and he made you better. Everybody in the NFL saw that. Trade them to the Bengals or some shit <laughs> and just get something for him now. I'm not paying Amari Cooper elite receiver money. It's just not happening. So. Let's talk a little bit about that. We've got the NFC East. Um, you know, we wanted to preview a couple of these um, divisions. Uh, we might as well st- stick with the Cowboys, um, assuming that they're fully healthy and everyone's playing, including Zeke Elliott, which at this point does not look like is going to happen to start the season. Um, how do you rank that division? Who, who do you think is the best team in the division? Does Philadelphia return to the top of that division with Carson Wentz? Um, being being healthy, I mean the, the the Eagles have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, um, but Dallas is talented as well. I think we can all agree that the Giants are probably well below everyone else. The Redskins are most likely a seven to six to six to seven win team. Um, so in my opinion, it looks like probably Dallas and and Philly is probably fighting for those for the for the crown in that division. Yeah, I mean I feel like the Eagles they won the Super Bowl and then coming into that next all season. You kind of, you could kind of see that they weren't pushing to win a Super Bowl. You know, they were more, they were more focused on getting healthy. Because even though they did win the Super Bowl, man, they had a ton of dudes take injury. Because even Alshon Jeffrey, he played like those last eight games with something wrong with his shoulder. He got surgery. Carson Wentz was hurt. They didn't have a running back, so that team was in disarray. And they still managed to uh, make the playoffs and you know have a good run against the Saints. But when they're playing against the Saints, then they suffer a big injury to their right guard. So they had a really good season where injuries went in their favor, and then they had a season where it didn't. I think they are poised to make that jump, um, even without a Nick Foles. I I think you're going to see a Carson Wentz that was at that MVP level that he was before. I would take the Eagles to be the top dog um, in the division. Um, their schedule is going to be a little lighter. I always pay attention to that. Whoever wins the division – I always get the tougher schedule. And Dallas won a division, and I don't think they're prepared to play that tougher schedule. Last year, the Eagles won a division. If you go look at their schedule, even making the playoffs were impressive after messing up those first, like, six games without wins. So I think Dallas is going to struggle. Uh, these players can say that these contracts doesn't bother them, but we've seen what happens without Zeke. If Zeke miss any time early, they're going to struggle. Dak has the contract in his head. He has to play carefully. He can't be running the ball. He has to protect himself. Um, you have Amari Cooper. He has to protect himself. Everyone play, is playing for contract. Um, the cornerback, Byron Murphy, 
You know what I'm saying? You have too many people that are thinking about more things in football, and I think that'll affect them. Luckily, they got two teams that, shit, might as well be tanking. <laughs> I don't know what the Giants are going to do. Uh, with the Giants' wide receiving core just being devastated, they traded Odell. Sterling broke his finger, although he looks like he should be good to go the week one. Um, Golden Tate got suspended four games. They're just all beat up. Their defense could sustain them. Say Quan Barkley and Evan Ingram could do something magical. At the end of the day, you still got Eli Manning. Um, I don't know what's going on at Washington. Their receivers and quarterback are in disarray. So you're right. This is a two-team race. I would take the Eagles, Dallas, and um, Washington Giants. I don't think either one of them really matters. And I only think you get one of these teams making the playoffs. I don't think Dallas even makes the playoffs this year. I think Dallas goes 8-8, eight and 7-9. Eight, Eagles will probably be around eleven and five, ten and six. Yeah, um, I'm. I am interested to see what the Giants do uh, as far as moving on to Daniel Jones, um, and as far as uh, what Washington does with their quarterback uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, because there's talent on the teams, but I don't think that Washington has elite talent anywhere outside of maybe the running back position on offense. Um, just not. I mean, I, I don't. I don't like any of their receivers very much, and I know they 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 address that with a couple guys in the draft. But you know, Kelvin Harmon, who could be a steal or could be the six round pick that he is, and just never heard from him. Josh Doxson was a failure. I mean, they they not a lot of talent anywhere other than that that offense. But they they have some on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the Giants. I still think the Giants are a couple players away from from at least being a, a competent team. Um, on, on the offensive side of the ball, I, I mean, we all know Daniel Jones is going to play at some point. Um, and as long as you have Sa- Saquon, and if Daniel Jones shows to be kind of competent, the Giants could be, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to win very many games, but I think that they could be a tough out. That's just the kind of team that they are. But I agree. I think that the cream of the crop is, is Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, any, I, The one thing I will say about Philadelphia is they seem to be built for the long term um you know you and i were kind of talking from a fantasy standpoint but also from a real life standpoint like the young dudes that they have coming up after uh you know their starters right now like you have a miles sanders you have a jj Sega Whiteside, you have a dallas goddard who aren't even starters really or fringe starters in the case of miles miles sanders um but those dudes are still set up for long-term success once they're old core like uh, Zach Ertz is 28, 29. Alshon Jeffrey is, you know, 30 something. Deshaun Jackson is 30 something. Nelson Aguilar is whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, they've got some young talent that, that it looks like they'll be able to sustain a, a success for quite a while. Yeah, man. Um, I just, I just don't really see the point. Um, the Eagles did a good job of when they were bad before the Super Bowl win. Before they were bad, they they scrapped everything, took a step back, went ahead and started Carson Wentz. They lucked up with the injury to the Vikings and being able to trade uh, Sam Bradford and get a first round pick. That was that was a bit of a luck, and that pushed Carson Wentz. But that's kind of what I don't understand about Washington and what I don't understand about New York Giants. Like at this point in time, I believe everyone from the outside can see that it's time to move on. Um, when you're looking at the Giants, Eli Manning. Uh, yeah, he won you two Super Bowls, but it's time to move on. I mean, once you traded, it's been three years. Yeah, time. I mean, it's been time. Now you just traded Odell, and now you draft. You spent the top ten pick, a top five pick, or top no, sixth. 
He was he was yeah, at six. Yeah. Uh, on a quarterback, you you have a couple of receivers that are you know decent, not not anything great, but you got Saquon back there. It's time to start building. You need to let Eli go. If you could trade Eli, I mean, you've seen Peyton got a job somewhere. Shit, the Dolphins might take Eli, man. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Just it's time to move forward. Get the young quarterback in there. Let him play with Saquon. Let him play with Slayton and Golden Tate, and and trust your defense. I mean, they could do that easily. They they have us. They still have a really good defense. Um, that on well, that defensive line is still really good. That secondary is pretty good. Linebackers is kind of shaky, but they have a good defense where they could just depend on the defense, start the rookie quarterback. But because they're in New York and their um, head coach, they want to play high-flying football that they stole from the Eagles, but he was never a good head coach. You know what I mean? So I, right. I, I just don't know. I don't like anything that the Giants are doing. I think whether you believe, whether you believe in Daniel Jones, you drafted him. The Giants drafted him. They, they should be starting him. Because they're not going to be better. What's the point of letting Eli Manning play five or six games? It's just not going to be – it's going to be pointless. Then you go to the Washington Redskins. You traded for Alex Smith. He got hurt. It doesn't work out. So now you're going to start Colt McCoy or Case Keenum. I mean, you saw what Case Keenum did with Denver last year. He just kind of ruined their season and got a coach fired. You go draft Dwayne Haskins. Why not give him the keys now? You can't tell me that he's going to do that much worse. I just don't believe that he's going to do that much worse than Colt McCoy or Case Keenum. And you have way more upside. That's the difference between good teams and really bad teams. They make bad decisions. You're at the point where it's time to start rebuilding. If you're the Giants, start Daniel Jones. You got Saquon Barkley. Maybe Darius Slayton or Alonzo Russell steps up. You never know. Maybe there's a a receiver on the market that you can go out and trade for because you already got a quarterback and a running back. You know what I mean? Or... If you're Washington, just start Haskins. You drafted him. You got uh, Terry Maylorin. You got Doxon. You got Darius Geis. Start over. Your defenses are good enough where they may be able to sustain your offense, and then maybe they get going. That's what Pittsburgh Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger. That's what the San Diego Chargers did with Phillip Rivers. Hell, that's what the New York Giants did a long time ago with Eli Manning. I just don't understand the philosophy. Yeah, and, you know, and before we move on to the AFC, you talk about Washington, and I don't know what they are doing because they have kind of taken all the power out of Jay Gruden's hand. They basically come out and say it's going to be a collective uh, thing of when they start Dwayne Haskins, when they feel it, when the GM and the coach and everyone feels and the owner feels like he's ready, that's when they'll play. So he's already a powerless coach. So I'm curious to see how this season plays out for them. Um, that's not good for anybody. Because when the players know right. that the coach isn't in control, then what are you really – you know what I'm saying? Who are you trying to impress? You don't really know. And w- w- when do they have to listen to you or respect you? I don't know why I was stuttering <laughs> there. But uh, <laughs> when when do they have to listen or respect you? You know what I mean? Because it's, it's one of those points where, like, you know, this cat might not even be here by week eight. You know, I mean, whatever. That's, that's probably you know, true. Maybe we like the QB coach. Maybe we maybe we like the offensive coordinator more, um, or who, whomever they decide to go with. But they know that he's kind of been neutered. And so. that's why, as a head um, coach, I just step in and make the decision. I'm gonna live and die with playing with playing Haskins because you know, Cole, and if it don't work, I get fired. Yeah, you know, anyway. Colt McCoy ain't gonna save you. You know, Case Keenum's not gonna save you. So at the very least, if Dwayne Haskins shows something that looks like you know he could be prepared for the future. I mean, that's the same mistake that I harped on. Um, If you've been following us, that's what I was harping on about Baker Mayfield last year with the Cleveland Browns. I said Hugh Jackson is a dummy for starting Tyrod Taylor over um, Baker Mayfield. You're 1-31 over two years. 
What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose by starting Baker Mayfield. And then they went into the season. The defense was actually good. The offense wasn't bad, but it was ruined because Tyrod Taylor couldn't complete a pass downfield. What do you know? You put Baker Mayfield in and you missed the playoffs by like a half a game or a game. Those four games where you were tying the Steelers and you were in every game and you didn't play Baker Mayfield came to bite you in your butt. And just before, I just want to do a quick drive-by real quick. If Hugh Jackson ever gets a job again, man, a, a head coaching job again, God, I mean, the, the NFL has failed. I mean, he's a great coordinator, but, man, that dude should not be allowed to run another team ever Bro, again. Jeff Fisher coached for 20 years. I'm rude for Hugh Jackson to get another chance. Yeah, well, Jesus. Jeff Fisher, too. Shit, what's the, coach, um, what's I mean, the head true. coach for the Giants? He's been awful at the last place he was at, wasn't he? Who is the head coach for the Giants? Shit, I can't remember his name. He was the Eagles offensive coordinator, too, and I cannot remember his name. I feel like he coached for the Rams. I just can't remember his name. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember who the hell their coach is. Yeah, I'll, After, I'll have uh, to go to our research department and look it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, let's go over to the AFC East. Um, this is probably the division of football that is the easiest to predict year in and year out. Uh you know, it's almost not even Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer. The one yeah. that I call him the uh, Sam Bradford whisperer. He, he's tricked. He's the one that made the Vikings trade from the Eagles to the Vikings trade possible. He was the he was the coordinator for the Eagles. He went to the Vikings and he talked the Vikings into giving a first round pick for Sam Bradley. And you know how he was. I mean, Sam Bradford, and he was rewarded with a head coaching job, the New York Giants. And now look at him. <laughs> um, so I think we can agree that the New England Patriots are going to win this division. Uh, probably not much reason to talk about the Patriots other than they do have some new blood in there. Tom Brady just signed a, two, a two-year contract that will take him to play till he's 43, 44. No, that, um, that contract is weird. It expires after this year, and they can't franchise him. Did you see that? So, uh-uh. It so boosts- I didn't really look at the, the yeah. in and outs of it. Yeah, he was supposed to make oh shit. I want to say either fifteen and nineteen million dollars. It was something exceedingly low for Tom Brady. The contract is like a two-year contract. It boosts his contract this year up to twenty-three million dollars, which is just above Alex Smith. <laughs> Point that out. Yeah, he becomes like the seventh highest-paid quarterback in the league, or something like that. Is that right? It couldn't be seventh. I know for sure it's not seven because Derek Carr is like in the. Like 13 or 14, he makes 25 a year. So 23 doesn't even. It's like top 20, maybe outside the top 20. Um, And it like automatically voids at the end of the year, and they can't franchise tag him. So no matter what, Tom Brady will be a free agent this year. Tom Brady, Denver confirmed. It should happen. I mean, shit. At least um, I think John Elway will fucking pay him. I just, man, I'm just not for – elite players i don't care how much money you can make off the field taking less money because you fuck it up for everybody that's the one thing that i like about that's the one thing that's most interesting to me about the ezekiel elliott holdout is because the the battle is because todd Gurley got 16 million dollars and then he fucked up his knee then Le'Veon came back and he got 13 million dollars after Le'Veon, it's like a bunch of running backs making 10 so now elite running backs, the argument is, is the market set at 16 of Ty Gurley or is the market set of 13 of Le'Veon Bell? Dallas is trying to say the market reset with Le'Veon Bell and it's now 13. So if I give Zeke 
13 to 14 million dollars and Zeke saying no y'all rush me 300 times for 1400 yards I should be getting Todd Gurley money and then they're saying Todd Gurley shouldn't even be getting Todd Gurley money <laughs> so Todd Gurley kind of fucked up the market by signing that contract and then getting hurt because then Le'Veon didn't get the money and now it's a gap between 16 and 13 million that's the gap that everybody's trying to work it because Melvin Gordon got offered a $10 million contract, which would put him at top five. I mean, even if Dallas is being generous and they're offering Zeke 13 and a half, that would make him the second top play running back. So from Dallas' standpoint, you're the second highest paid running back. I mean, so it's an interesting decision. That's why I'm not for players like Tom Brady, elite players at your position taking less. Him making $23 million, doesn't, it helps the Patriots, but it doesn't really help anybody else. And but he has six like six Super Bowls, so what the fuck do I do? Whatever, whatever they're doing, it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh Gordon applied for reinstatement, so that merry-go-round continues. Um, Does he get it? I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not really like an off-the-field behavioral issue. It's just literally weed. Um, I think which, it's, I don't think it's weed. I think it's alcohol. Or was it alcohol this time? Yeah, because no, I don't. Because if he had tested positive and failed a drug test, it would have been an automatic suspension. It'd probably been like a two-year suspension because he's already been suspended for it. The Patriots let him go, which which is the same thing that happened with the Browns, and it's because he showed up to the airport drunk allegedly for the Browns. That's why he got traded to the Patriots, and then mysteriously, the Patriots set him down without him failing a drug test. So it has to be like coming to practice drunk because that was the story. So he was like playing and coming to practice drunk so when they smell alcohol you're not failing a test so you're not getting suspended by the league but you're getting mysteriously suspended without a failed test because if you fail another drug test he's out for like two or three years or some shit like that and it's probably over at that point. i mean hell we've been saying that for i don't know how long so uh josh gordon the gift that keeps on giving let's talk a little bit about the other teams in the division though um again i think new england wins the division probably not much to talk about um i think the jets well i did want to talk about um did you think for any of you fantasy geeks out there do you think that sony michelle and james white who do you think are going to be the impact players because i mean it switches up for new england all the time they they lost danny amendola i think they still have julian elliman they lost uh they lost chris hogan so they don't really have anything at receiver. Now, neither one of us believes that's going to keep them from winning the division, but the division's kind of shit. That doesn't really matter. You're talking Super Bowls when you're talking to Patriots. Who are going to be the skilled players that will step up? Yeah, I mean, I, I expect James White will be, um, you know, I mean, he's a P- PPR monster when you talk about fantasy, and he's always someone that needs to be accounting for in real life uh, because he tends to kill, kill teams. Uh, Nikhil Harry, um you know, I try not to put much stock into rookie wide receivers. Um, typically, it takes them a minute to get going. Um, and, you know, while I do think he, he will be a good player, I'm not sure that it's going to start that off off that way right away. They don't have much to speak of in the way of tight end now that Gronk is gone. Um, Julian Edelman is out for the first two games, I think, or, or first little bit of the season with a broken thumb. I don't I don't even recall. I think he broke he broke a bone in his hand or something. I don't know. There, I mean, but when was the last time that you knew uh, what was going to happen with New England's skill set position? I mean, you know, they've they've had guys that 
I mean, you've never heard of or you haven't heard from since that, and they somehow win ten to twelve games every year. So, well, that's um, the thing that I, I I'm always careful of every year with them. They do find a way, but at some point in time, that shit has to not work. You know what I mean? Gronkowski was a big reason for that. They were either you know game planning, knowing he was coming back, or he was going to start the season. He got hurt mid season, but there he was always kind of the safety net. You know, if it wasn't working, it could bring him back a little bit early, and he can make it work for him. They don't have the, that safety net anymore. You know, I agree, but the problem is the rest of the division refuses to get better. So, you know, when you can walk I think the Jets will through, be better, even though you're, yeah. you know, they're due for a, a 9-7, and 10-6 and six but, season. But when you, when, you, when you get five wins a year, four to five wins a year off your division that you can count on, we know they're going to beat the Bills twice. We know that Miami's going to beat the hell out of them once in I was Miami. about to say, and you know Fitz going to have a five-touchdown game that first one. Yeah, <laughs> Miami beats the hell out of them once a year. It just it happens. And every time it happens, it's always a Miami game where people are like, oh, the Patriots are done because Miami somehow, no matter what, just dominates them. <laughs> I mean, Let's not forget the crazy play they did last year, though. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the Hail Mary tossing it back to Kenyon Drake, and that shit actually worked to win the game. Shook Gronk out of his cement shoes. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you about the Jets um, possibly being better. They are due for a 10-6 and six season. I think you and I have talked about this. Every time they get a new head coach, they are 10-6, and six, and then they resort back to being the Jets. Um, so they'll probably win 10 games this year. Um, I do think that Sam Darnold, if he takes another step, they'll be fine. They've got some good weapons on, on uh, the perimeter with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua. Uh, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, they, they do have that tight end that I like Chris Herndon. Um, and then of course, adding Le'Veon Bell to the mix helps your receiving game and your running game. So um, one of those tight ends they've got are, weapons. One of those tight ends got suspended or something or hurt. Was it Herndon? Uh, I, I don't think, I'm not sure. I didn't see if, if one of them got hurt. Now nah, one of them is either, one of them is like suspended or hurt, but they're going to miss the first game. I want his first four. I want to say it's Herndon because that's the one I like too. Um, oh, you you know what? You're right because I remember talking shit about that. Chris Herndon did get either. I think he got suspended. Yeah, I think it's a four uh, games like substance yep. thing suspension. Uh, I, yep. Man, I'm so with New England. Let me jump back there and then I'll catch up. But with New England, I think you're gonna see something really different from New England this year. I think they're gonna turn into a heavy run play action team this year. And I think that's why you've been – I don't think that it's been, you know, you know, everyone's down on Sonny Michelle. Um, Sonny Michelle was never going to be like the receiving back. They're going to do some different stuff with James White. He's just too good at it. But when Sonny was really churning last year, um, James White's numbers really went down. I think what you saw from the Patriots in the playoffs last year is going to be more of what the Patriots are going to become the next couple of years. Um, I think that's the reason why they went and drafted Damian Harris. Um, I think they want a one-two punch like Alabama had or like Georgia had, and whatever. And Sony is built for that, and Damon's built for that too, because he had uh, shit. Who he have? Um, who was the other one at Bama? Oh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs and Damian, and then it was Nick Chubb and Sony. So those running backs are built to play off of each other in a committee. It wouldn't surprise me if New England didn't run it 30 to 35 times a game this year and then play off a of play action. I, I, I didn't like Nikhil Harry coming out of college. I just don't believe. I mean, I just never believed in him and his separation. Yeah, it's good to have a big body, but big body, not a lot of big body receivers kind of succeed without speed. 
You know what I mean? Most of these big body receivers that succeed, they're running four fours, four three. Harry's like a four five, four six player. I just he's not Michael Thomas. I just don't believe in him. So I think well, you're they've gonna, been comparing him to Anquan Bolden for some reason, but he's way bigger than Anquan Bolden. That's I never understood that comparison. And he's not as physical. Anquan Bolden was like one of the most physical players ever, and he's not a physical player. He's more of a big finesse player. He can do jump balls. Just because you can catch jump balls, it doesn't make you a physical player. And that's where riders get messed up. Oh, he's a he can go up and get the 50-50 ball. Yeah, that's just, you know, jumping like basketball. That's not a physical player. I mean, Antoine Bolden, <laughs> he got in your chest. He pushed dudes to the ground. Like, he was a physical player. Smaller cornerbacks literally could not play. He would just get in front of you. No matter what the coverage, Bolden would get in front of you, box you out like a tight end. He was a tight end playing wide receiver. And that's not Nikhil Harry. Um, they got the rookie undrafted dude, Jacoby Myers. They're saying that he's uh, Tom Brady's number one target. So I think that the uh, New England Patriots are going to be a really run-heavy team. Um, they're going to see a lot of, lot of, lot of big physical team. That's why they got all those tight ends. That's what the first thing I saw with getting all those tight ends. They're going to be a physical team this year. Uh, first of all, real quick, I just want to say, can we stop with the camp reports? We have not played one preseason game yet, and people, that's what drives me crazy. Oh, this guy's favorite to start. This guy's favorite. Like, look, motherfuckers, y'all don't know a goddamn thing. Because before the preseason, all these beat writers, I mean, you see a, a thing one day is, oh, so-and-so is killing it in practice. So-and-so is in line to be the number one uh, the number one running back or receiver or tight end, whatever the case may be, and then they don't see the field for two, three years. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. The, the, it's it's, it's all, all this fake news out there, all these fake, you know, people just trying to, to be relevant. It is annoying. Whenever I hear in August that so-and-so is that you've never heard of, an undrafted somebody is shooting his way up the depth chart, I'm just not impressed. But for some teams, it's real, though, and the consistency of the information is what I pay attention to. You're right. Some shit is just bullshit. Like one one report, you see Antonio Calloway came in in great shape. Then you see Derek Willies, and you look, and he's not in shape. So I could, some stuff you can brush off, but some stuff is relevant. Like when you get Tom Brady actually talking about the receivers – then you know it's something there. I mean, they asked him like either today or yesterday about this Jacoby kid getting more catches than Nikhil Henry, and then he had some kind of quote like, the ball goes where the ball wants to go or some stupid shit. But when you get, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you get Tom Brady actually acknowledging it, then you know it's real. You know what I mean? So it's real. And then coming from a team like the Patriots, who's known to get cheap labor, I mean, they'll – a dude that's going to cost money, they'll get rid of their ass in a minute for a dude that's undrafted. So I, I kind of believe it, but I don't think it's going to really matter because I don't think during the season, I mean, they've, they've shown that that's what they want to do. The problem last year is Sony couldn't consistently stay healthy. So whenever he wasn't healthy, they uh, threw the ball to James White and they spread it out. But whenever Sony was healthy, go look at his carries. That dude was carrying the ball 22, 23 times a game. So I think going. Oh, he's, a, he's a freak when he's healthy, when he's right. That's the biggest question is how often is he going to be healthy? So that's what I'm saying. So then they go draft Damian Harris, who's a New England player straight from Bama, who's more consistent, more built for those carries. And now you have him there. If, if Sony goes down, they can run that same style. Before, they didn't have a backup that they could believe in. Who are you going to run? They tried to erect Burkhead. It didn't work. Um, but moving on from New England, man, um, I mean, 10 and 6, we agree. 10 and 6, 11 and 5. But I think this New England, I mean, um, this New York Jets team is real. And I know you don't. Uh, I'm in on Sam Darnold. That defense was good last year. 
even without C.J. Mosley. So you add C.J. Mosley to that defense, that defense is fast, it moves fast, that defensive line gets a lot of pressure. Now they have some. They have a running back behind the offensive line because those running backs last year that we don't know their names, well, we do because they play fantasy, but most people didn't know the running backs' names for last year. Those dudes were putting up numbers. So you put Le'Veon Bell behind that same offensive line. You got Le'Veon Bell able to control the clock and keep that defense off the field. Then you have fast receivers off the play action like Robbie Anderson. And then you got, uh, like you said, Quincy. I I, mean, I think this Jets team is going to be good. I know you don't really believe in them yet. I, I think they're going to be really good. And I well, think- n- no, it's not that I don't believe them. I just believe they're going to go 10-6 and six <laughs> and and be the team that, again, we saw with Eric Mangini. We saw I think they're going to uh, be better, Bulls. man. The one thing about those teams, Rex they didn't Ryan. have a legit quarterback, man. They had yeah, like Darnold. Darnold. Darnold's a legit quarterback. He's not. I like uh, Darnold. Shit, who did, uh, who did, uh, who's the quarterback, the black dude, when they went 10-6 and six last time, most recently? Geno oh, Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Sam Darnold's not Geno Smith. The difference between the teams you're talking about is that Sam Darnold is legit. I mean, he showed it last year. That dude's legit. And they have a really, really good defense. So they got a really good defense. You think that defense is good? I do. They have Jamal a, Adams is one of my favorites. Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, CJ Mosley. I mean, that's a good defense. And they were good last year. Then you go and you add Le'Veon Bell to that, somebody that can control the clock, keep that defense off the field so they're not on the field for long possessions, um, giving them a rest. I like Le'Veon. I like the ability to play play action and let it go to Robbie Anderson. I even like some of their minor receivers under them. Like you said, when they get the tight end position, they got some versatile tight ends. I really like the Jets, and I think the Jets are going to give New England a run for their money. I'm not willing to bet right now that the Jets are going to win the division, but I don't think you can just totally discount them. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like I said, it's it's their year. We can pencil them in for 10 wins, <laughs> um, and I'm definitely going to be in wait-and-see mode. That defense, I agree with you, is legit, and you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't be a good team. Um, the biggest thing is I am not a believer in Adam Gase. That dude, is, he yeah. ain't done shit since Peyton Manning was his quarterback in Denver. And I've not been impressed with him. So and he didn't now, really, and it wasn't really great in Denver either. I mean, let's be honest. No, it was kind of awful. But and then you go goes down to Miami, and it was a complete shit show down there. Um, and you can argue that he didn't have a quarterback, whatever, whatever you want to argue. It was a cl- complete mess. And he's kind of been a big weirdo since he's gotten to New York. Uh, you know, so the jury is out on Adam Gase. So we'll see. They definitely have players. They have potential, and I think they're going to go ten and six. Like they do every year with the first time head coach, they just do it. So um, I'm just saying, we'll I think they have, they have the talent and the ability to win a division, which is surprising because I don't think we've been able to legitimately say that in a long time. And I think with the changes, losing Gronkowski, playing a different style, because if New England truly goes to that physical style that I think they go to, they're going to have real trouble against the Jets because that defensive line with, um, and they just added Quinn, what is his name, Quentin Williams. Who I yeah, think Quinn is a, Williams. yeah Quinn Quinn Williams and um Leonard Williams together, that's fucking mm-hmm. crazy with C J Mosley and Avery Williamson like Jamal Adams at safety like they could be very very disruptive and those are those are things that's always giving Tom Brady trouble. What gives Tom Brady the most trouble is if you can get push up the middle because he's not a scrambling because if you can disrupt the pocket 
by getting to him up the middle, not with outside linebackers where he can step up, prevent him from stepping up. And you got Leonard Williams and you got Quinn Williams in the middle. Both of those can really disrupt that offense. So I'm interested to see that. But moving on towards the lesser teams, uh, I think Miami will be a complete train wreck. I think they will be tanking sooner rather than later. And I think they will be trying to get one of these quarterbacks, Tua or the dude coming from Clemson, because I think Fitz Magic. Nope. Nope. He's not eligible next year. He's it is two years? The, the, huh? Oh. No, he's not. He was a true freshman oh, last shit. year. So. Yeah, damn. Yeah, so it's Justin Herbert out of Oregon. So Tua isn't eligible? Tua is eligible. Yeah. So you think the Oregon? I don't like him, man. I know he I don't like I, Herbert either, but he he's the the he was going to be the number one consensus quarterback coming out this year. So um, he just going back to school just pushed them back. Yeah, shit. Well, I, if I was them, I'd just fucking go with Rosen again and be sorry because <laughs> the dude from Clemson is legit. There's no way I take two. I'll just take my right. chances and go with Rosen next year. Hope I get a steal when Rosen shows man, that he's I think, trash. I think Rosen. I don't know Rosen. I think showed at times. I think I think the Arizona situation was a mess, but I mean I think that at times he showed that he could be a good quarterback. So I don't know why they're messing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You you don't have a shot at the division. You don't have a shot at the playoffs. Look, don't fuck around with this. Just throw Josh Rosen out there. He's he's got a year under his belt. See what you got. Now the problem with Miami is again. I don't think their receiving core is any good. Devontae Parker, this is breakout year apparently since I don't know he's been. You hear that every years. You hear that every year <laughs> in the first three weeks of the preseason. Exactly. Then he doesn't do shit in preseason games. And then you've got what Albert Wilson and uh, whoever Kenny the hell they got out of there. Kenny Stills, and so that's where the real problem is. I mean, they they have no talent on the Jakeem outside. Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant, I mean, Kenyon Drake or Kalen Blodrich, every one of them is going to make the next step. Mark um, Walton. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't think that there's a ton of talent. Miles Boykin or whatever his or, or Miles Gaskin. I, I don't think there's a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball in Miami. Hey, so if you play you fantasy, well just... look at Preston Williams. With the core that he just named, this undrafted rookie Preston Williams looks like he could be starting, you know, early in the season. Especially if you yeah, don't believe yeah. in, um, you know, Kenny Steels or your boy. Who just what's his name? I just lost his name. Albert Wilson. Nah, Albert Steele. Oh, uh, Devontae Parker. Yeah, Devontae Parker. There's no way I'm believing in Devontae Parker. So late in the the last round of the draft is Preston Williams hanging down there. I take a shot on him. So just for context, Devontae Parker was drafted in the same draft as Amari Cooper. So <laughs> you know he's been in the league for four or five years now. And, contract uh, year yeah, i mean maybe maybe <laughs> they maybe that he turns it around plays for a fat contract i doubt it but um we'll see i yeah I, i'm not a believer in the dolphins i think but somehow man somehow the dolphins find a way to irritate the hell out of me every single year and it's because i know a couple dolphins fans and they're obnoxious motherfuckers they are for some reason the expectations like the are so are low the, it's hard to deal with a fans, no. fan base that has low expectations they, they act like they're the cream of the crop, though, for some reason. Like, yeah, Miami, Miami. It, Buffalo Bills fans are like this, too, only except Buffalo Bills fans are a little bit more realistic. You get you catch Buffalo fans in August, and they all – my listen, my family's from Buffalo. My dad was just talking about this to me the other day. Man, the Bill's looking good. I think this could be the <laughs> – I was like, year. man – I looked at him. I said, hey, Dad, shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it ain't happening. And the question so, after that is, this could be the year for what? For what? You know, 
because I well, I will say I do like uh, Josh Allen up in Buffalo. Um, I think he's I, I think he especially for if you're a fantasy football player out there, he's legit and fancy. But I think actually the, the last half of the year he came on very strong. He looked like a Cam Newton. He's a big dude. He's six five. He's got he's got some accuracy issues, but he can throw the ball and he is hard to tackle. Um, Problem so I, is, I like who is him. he throwing it to? I mean, you got John what, Brown, but Zay Jones. You know, okay. I don't love their receiving core, um, but it's not the worst. I think it's better than Miami's. Um, I don't and then know, they, man. I, I think I take. I think I take because uh, Albert Wilson was really good last year until he got hurt, and you got Kenny Williams. I mean, Kenny uh, Steals. I take that over anything. Those two players right there, I take that over anything that they're putting on the field. John Brown could be good. I mean, he was good with Joe Flacco last year. I still take Kenny Steals over. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point it's just whatever for for both of these two teams. I mean, you're right. You're right. You know, I I think that um, I don't know. I, I think if you can talk me into the Dolphins or the Bills finishing third, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I don't think either. Oh, of those I'm teams definitely are going with good. the Bills because the Bills. One thing that the Bills do, they're they're they do have a good defense. I mean, um, if your offense sucks, one side of the ball has to be good, and I can't say that for the Dolphins. There's nothing positive that I can really rely on. You know what I'm saying? With the Bills, I know that the Bills have a decent defense. You know what I'm saying? They're fast. They get to the ball. Um, Tremont, Edward, Ed, is it Edmonds or Edwards? Um, the Edmonds. Edmonds. Um, they have a legit defense. That's the one thing I'm going to give the Bills. So they can keep you in games. So if they can just control the clock and keep you in games, I don't know that the Dolphins can do that. I mean, outside of getting lucky in a game or two, at best, what, six wins for the Dolphins? I could see. I'm telling you, the Dolphins find a way to go to win six or seven games every single year. They are the definition of mediocre. I mean, uh, I mean, the Bills got a lot of veteran running backs, man. They could just make they can make games ugly. <laughs> you know what I mean, you can just yeah keep throwing I mean, them out there, man. <laughs> there's no telling who even is going to be on the roster. They you've been hearing reports that they're going to cut Shady McCoy. You've been hearing reports that they're going to keep him. And he's a starter. Then you hear reports that. Uh, what is Dave Montgomery? Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is going to supplant him. Uh, Marcus Murphy, like just all these random names. So that you know, on offense, it's kind of a log jam there. But um, I mean, if, J- if Zay Jones can step up with John Brown, but I mean, if your whole thing is going to be running thirty-five to forty-year-old running backs in play action to John Brown, I just don't see that shit working. I mean, I mean, Frank Gore, yeah, he can give you four solid games. I don't know what's shady That's now. Shit, I forgot Frank Gore was there. You ain't lying. 35 to 40-year-old running yeah, back. Yeah, they got, they got Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. Shady's 32. Uh, um, Devin Singletary, they they hype him up. I never liked him in college. I mean, I don't like I don't like five, three dudes that run four, seven, but, yeah. That's yeah, your, I wasn't their super impressed with them either. <laughs> you saying, are you saying that LaShawn McCoy is washed? On the on the Denver, yeah, I, I know Shady doesn't like running in cold weather. Now I take that back. Yeah. I, I take that back. He does. I've seen that dude run in like six feet of snow for a hundred. He, he's been running in cold weather his entire career. He went to Pitt, yeah, yeah, I take <laughs> Philly, that and then Buffalo. <laughs> Frank Gore doesn't like running uh, in cold weather. How about that? Disprove that. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to. Well, whatever. Frank <laughs> he's from Miami. So he played for Miami. He played for 49ers. <laughs> yeah, he's in, and played in Indianapolis. He's immortal. I don't care what you say about Frank. Gore. <laughs> the boy, the man's gonna play till he's 45. He, him and Tom Brady. When your head's a helmet, you uh, should be able to survive those hits. That big old dome. 
All right, man, before we get out of here, next week we'll touch on the, the AFC North, NFC North. Um, anything you want to touch on before we get out? USA Basketball September. You interested? Looks like it's going to be the Celtics with Bam and Abayu on the roster. Yeah, what a strange what you know, this this turned out to be kind of a strange deal. Um everyone kind of dropped like flies and yeah, I mean now the Kimber Walkers in Boston, it seems like they they it's Boston and and Bam and versus the world. So, I mean, I'm always going to watch basketball if it's competitive. So, that doesn't include the big 3. Step back uh, four pointers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm out on college basketball. I'm out on the big three. Uh, Do you think yeah, the I'll, USA I'll can watch. grab gold with this lineup that they're talking about putting out there? I mean, they just they promoted uh they promoted De'Aaron Fox though, so I mean that could help. But uh, I'm not I'm not so know, confident, man, man, that these dudes could even. The rest medal. of the world has caught up, so I know, and they can't uh, shoot, man. These dudes they all. put out there, they they don't got no shooters, and that's what's killed USA year in and year out. This is almost a goddamn college team that they're putting out there with no shooters going against the grown men. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna watch because I'm curious. I think it'll be at least some good competition, um, but I'm not coming in there the most confident. Man, it'd be it'd be sad if they don't even medal. Because I don't, I'm not uh, sure that the I'm not sure if the USA has to medal. Because we won the Olympics, but I'm not sure the rules work. I feel like we have to at least medal in this FIBA thing. I mean, it's our game. We got to medal, right? Uh, you have to. I would hope so, man. I'm not confident. Go look at that roster again, bro. I'm not confident, man. And then, because they, they were trying to figure out if Kevin Love was going to play on the roster. I'm like, what y'all want Kevin Love on there for? Because they have I mean, no shooters and Pops the coach. With his offense, yeah. it requires shooters. Like, who's shooting the ball? J.J. gave him a hard, I don't know, I'm moving. <laughs> J.J. Yeah. Reddick. Yeah. <laughs> and J.J. Reddick's 36 years old. I mean, yeah, I mean, when, you know they're in dire straits when they're asking J.J. Reddick to play. Yeah, when you're begging uh, J.J. Reddick to just come on your team, like, literally the best shooter is Kimber Walker. Kimber uh, Walker. All your, I mean, what are you doing, picking rolls with Bam the whole time? Like, I don't know. I mean, Jason Tatum's good, but he's really a mid-range shooter. Jalen Brown, he will shoot 17 threes. Not saying he's going to hit any of them. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's liable to go for 17. You are not bullshitting. But, I mean, I will say they're, they are at least athletic, um, but the rest of the world, man, they didn't caught up, so I don't know if this is going to be the team to do it. So, Well, remember, we'll we see. went out there and got third with Iverson, Duncan, LeBron, uh, and Mello. Mello, and Dwayne Wade. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that created the Redeem team, though, so I'm cool with that. I'm just saying, it ain't no Tim Duncan, Iverson, LeBron's, Mello's, or yeah. Wade's on that team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, y'all. That's it. That's all. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode for you. Y'all enjoy Hard Knocks. Enjoy this week of preseason. Uh, And we'll holla. Peace. Peace.